McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts from Bosby. Bosby are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Bombay fans, and welcome to Forecast, episode 110. One win away from the playoffs, but can the Blues make it? During the podcast today is Freddie Webb. How are you, Freddie? Doing very well, Hugh. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be back on. I was away for a fortnight writing for the news for two weeks, just learning as much as I can, really. And yeah, they gave me a great opportunity to... Gain some more experience, which is very nice of them, but I'm glad to be on this this podcast again. Yeah, they binge you back here, so we're appreciated of that, mate, Freddie. <laughs> no, no shame in that. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, didn't offer me a job, obviously. <laughs> Better luck next time, mate, yeah? <laughs> John Hooper, how are you, mate? You all right? I'm good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not bad, mate. Excited. Sunday. I'll be honest, I wanted to hurry up and uh, and get towards that day now, because it's uh, the suspense is killing me. <laughs> Yeah, okay, cool. Let's get into it. So first of all, we're going to review the game against Wimbledon. Following on from that, we're going to talk about, do you think Pompey will make the playoffs? And then we're going to preview the game against Accrington Stanley, the big old game, the game that we're all talking about for the most of the episode. Right, let's get into it. Wimbledon, though, first. This was a performance that started out kind of slow, Freddie. We didn't seem to have a grip in the game. When that first goal went in, it shouldn't have been a goal, but let's get past that first. What did you think about Pompey's chances around the 20 minutes? Uh, they struggled, didn't they? They struggled a lot to start with. Um, the main thing was not winning the second ball around their own penalty area. That was a big one. So whenever Raggett or Downing got the first header in, the, se- the second ball afterwards, Wimbledon were very good at that. They were The midfielders were on top of Portsmouth very well. Jack Rodoni on the right-hand side was very good. I liked him. He was He was definitely tenacious in the tackle. And that led to Portsmouth not being able to play out from the defence and through the midfield as they normally would do. And yeah, that's basically where, where the first goal came from. First goal was very weird. I know Andy Moon on commentary said the ball might have hit Ben Close. That's why the referee overturned it. But it, I didn't think so. I didn't see anything when watching back, did you? No, I've watched it through loads of times to try and work out why I was wrong for saying it wasn't, you know, they shouldn't have stood or whatever. But... I can't see it. John, do you, actually, do you see anything was wrong with that goal or even a potential point that could be wrong with that goal? No, I, I think it was a very stupid goal to give away to, well, to see in the first place. It was, um, it came about time for as Freddie said, it alluded to earlier. Was, we, we, we didn't start well and it seems to be a case of can't repeat the actors game. We start slowly and we can see early on, but we went to turn it around very, very quickly and come, in the end come away with a very, very good comprehensive win. It was just that sort of agony of being a Pompey fan and just sitting down. I was all ready. I got up, you know, I had the beers in, you know, had the boys on Skype. I was ready to go. Skype is a bit of a retro reference using Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the ball goes in. But what I was happy about is how we turned it turned it around because you always ask for fight against adversity. Obviously, the team are absolutely dismayed that the goal's been given. They turn it around the other side and Marcus Harness does something I thought he did well all game and he rips apart... Uh, the left-back Guinness Walker, I thought he did really well against him all game, actually, stats-wise. Freddie, were you impressed in particular about the way and the spirit this team turned around? Does that give you confidence going into the weekend? Oh, absolutely. The resilience ever since the Cowleys have come in has been remarkable. The first, the first thing they did was overturn that horrendous record of not being able to win a game after conceding the first goal, which was dates back to what, like Easter Monday of 2019 or whatever it was. Some, some ridiculous stat that, thankfully, we've forgotten about now. <clears throat> but no, the resilience, and I think the, the other word to describe the side is patient on the ball. 
they don't it, it's not like the previous side where they rushed it because they think oh god we got we got we got to get the ball into the into the attacking zone very very quickly they're more measured uh, under Kane Jacket, Marcus Harness would have whipped that ball into the penalty area way, way sooner than he did. Um, but this time, attacks the fullback, gets it right up to the byline, and puts the low cross uh, uh, across a dangerous area. And and yeah, Curtis's shot takes deflection, but he was in the right place, and the ball was across the danger area. And you can't ask more for that first goal, can you? No, not at all. And Ronan Curtis is doing what we re- we really need our big players to do turn up and score goals when it counts. And that is one of the things that you need when you're in this situation, when it's you know a point difference between you and the team beneath you. You need your big game players to turn up and have big games. And that's exactly what Ronan Curtis did in this game. He was in good position at the back post. He arrived a little bit late, you know, kept himself open. There's been too many times no one, not enough people got into the box. I mean, you hear Guy Whittingham banging on about it on the uh, thing, and he's right too. Yeah, don't get me wrong. He, I um, swear he mentions that nearly every game. He needs to. He's right, though. He's <laughs> yeah, right, no, he's though. right. Yeah, it, it's yeah. just a lot of times he does. It's, it's quite funny sometimes. John, we're going to talk about the man who made massive impact into this game, which is Lee mm-hmm. Brown. He came back in. Obviously, he gets the two goals. But beside the goals, what are you particularly impressed with by Lee Brown's performance? I was impressed with his solidity, but I haven't been well. First of all, we know how good he, he has, his um, relationship is, of course, on the left side. And the past two seasons has been so, so good and vital to us going forward and defensively. And it's good to see him back and have some confidence back on the left side. And these recent, in recent last few games, as much as we have picked apart academics in the past, we I think I have to appreciate that he's been he was set game for so long. It's good and now he's now he's got a bit of a rest. He can come back maybe a bit maybe better and stronger in the next few games if he is selected. But it's really good to see Lee Brown back. Yeah, and long-term listeners of the podcast will know that I used to put a bet on Lee Brown to score every time uh, he played, <laughs> um, just knowing that goal was going to come in and supporting my boy Lee Brown. Unfortunately, I got so excited about what, him playing and the setup and what I thought was going to happen in the game that I completely forgot to put any money on it. Um, One time. <laughs> a good it happened last time, mate. Do you remember? <laughs> I, I can't remember it was. I was at Fratton Park and I forgot and people were messaging oh, me. Oh, yeah. Oh, he scored. He scored. You must have put money on him. I was like, no, I haven't. Not, it's happened again, boys. Oh, dear. I'm going to pack in. I'm going to pack it in now, let's be honest. What I was quite impressed with for Lee Brown is that he bought this balance to the side, as we said. So we were allowed to play a, a back four. But in particular, I've been stressing about the fact we've only been attacking down one flank, which makes us particularly lopsided. Uh, But when you look at the positional report from this game, you can see that 36% went down the right-hand side and 40% on the left-hand side. Um, Obviously, Curtis and Brown are getting a lot of luck down that side as well, so it makes a little bit of sense in that sense. But that's the balance we wanted, Freddie, isn't it? And is that why Pompey was so successful, pushing on once they got the goal? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, Curtis and Brown got so much joy on that left-hand side. And I, think, I remember across the seasons, we, we've gotten Brown's back about not being attacking enough. You wouldn't have said that in today's game. And it's not just because of the goals. He was always there offering Curtis an out ball all the time, being in, being in the right areas for space, offering the passing option to the midfield when either a Williams or a Harness would drift into the middle and offer a pass up. He, he was excellent in this game completely and totally excellent. I don't think you could have asked for a better performance from a player returning from injury. I think another thing he mentioned while coming back from injury, this was Jordan Cross in the news where Lee Brown actually gave a lot of credit to Charlie Daniels and how much talking to him after every training session has improved his performances. And well, if he keeps on making performances like that, then we'll have a, an excellent, excellent back four going into the last game and maybe the playoffs if we win it. Yeah, hot take alert there. Freddie Webb signing Charlie Daniels as one of the on the coaching staff. I never said that. <laughs> <laughs> I never said that. You were talking but, about it before the podcast. He was all over uh, it. That, that is <laughs> such a lie. But but it makes sense that he, that he offers that, that much to the dressing room, though. No, definitely. And uh, I know the Cowboys have said it's good to have model pros like that around, particularly who have been playing in the Premiership. The Premier League even showing my retroness there. <laughs> um, Freddie, I've always been surprised to see Ben Close subbed off. I'm guessing that's actually more of a case that we were three one up. Cowley expects the team to close that one out, and you know you want to rest some of your best players. As you can see that teams like I know they've already made the playoffs, but Lincoln did with uh, Bridcut the other day. Do you think that's a case of resting Close? Or do you think it was a tactical change? Uh, I think a bit of both. To be honest, I thought Close had a reasonable game in the, in the first half. He battled well especially after the first goal went in because after the first goal um, there was a lot of times where 
um, the Wimbledon keepers and so if we would send the ball long Raggett or Downing would win the first header close on there they would pick it up and then build the play from there so I don't, I, I don't, I don't think it was entirely a performance based sub but when you've got Harvey White and George Byers two very technical sense midfielders as depth options why not bring them on when they're two goals ahead because they could do similar things to betting close they could break out the play a bit more if need be so yeah, I, I wouldn't read into the sub more than some people are doing. No, I don't think you need to. And I thought it's good. We talk about playing the ball out. Sometimes uh, people talk about Cannon being able to drive the ball forward and in comparison to Close, he maybe passes it out. But in this game, I thought it was interesting that Close led the team with three successful dribbles. So he was bringing the, he was bringing the ball out, not just by passing it out and spreading it and switching play, but he was also bringing the ball out and knocking it past players, which is sort of, has another string to his bow, really, than some people maybe don't don't credit Ben for. Before we move on, do you want to talk about anything in particular? Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Sorry, Paul Downing. I, I feel bad because I, I sort of laid into you as a joke the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you, 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 can't, you couldn't have glossed over that. He had a great game. Yeah, I know. I, I, I couldn't gloss over it. Sometimes, you know, Freddie, it's good to be wrong. And this is one of those situations <laughs> where it's good to be wrong you know, Danny Cowley, a magician, he brings Paul Downing back into the side after a decent, I'm going to say decent, not amazing, I'm going to say second half performance in the last game. Brings him in for Nick Eliasson, and we'll talk about how the Aki game, the last Accrington Stanley game and how, you know, later on in the show, really, so then how we approach the next game. I thought that was a bit of an odd decision at first. Downing comes in, and John, tell us what you thought about the overall performance and the stability that Paul Downing brought to the defence. Well, if you'd asked me two weeks ago about Paul Downing and started Pompey, I would have laughed. I would have laughed. Yeah, you would be with me, yeah. But yeah, it's no one. <laughs> but his past performances, he has shown glimpses of what he can offer to the to the defence. And uh, recent, what you say, especially he was a stone mold resident defender, and you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have realised this is his first league started almost well this this entire season or since well back to Ken Jackett's reign, and give it go coming into the final game against Aki gives uh, the Cowleys a very good um, defensive headache because you have what more fit and back and um, back suspension. You have a fit and ready ragged Nicolas as well as a back to best or the best dog we've ever seen pull down him. Yeah, it's going to be a headache. I'm going to put it over to you guys later on about defensive selections and what we're going to do Ooh. when we talk through that. But Paul's back. He's back with a bang. Uh, and he's here for next season as well. And I cringed about that a few weeks ago. Thinking, how are we going to offload that contract? Maybe someone in the league seems to be interested. But, you know, he's back now. And we've seen it before at Doncaster. He was a good technical defender. He did the same at Blackburn. Um, Freddie, do you have anything to add on Paul Downing before I try and hurriedly move us on? Well, it says a lot about the Cowley's man management and Paul Downing as a character that he was able to come in for those two games after mainly playing in cup games beforehand. And being able to step up to the plate and defend really well. He was great in the air, especially, and he's not completely, he's not um, completely alien to pass, passing the ball out from the back either. So you've got that option. I think, I think Nicolaisen's better at that part of the defending than Paul Downing is, but I'd say Paul Downing was very solid in in those two appearances he's played. I, I don't know, who is going to be at centre-back for the Accrington game? Uh, I'll, I'll mull it over until we mention it later. But yeah, it, it, it's big credits to Downing for not completely throwing his toys out the pram and and playing except very well given the circumstances. And it's a good thing that the Cowleys have given him the chance when needed. I think it's great to see anyone back. And also a free asset we can have at the back there, Freddie, which we'll talk about in the summer, me, you, John, Andy, Freddie, the whole gang. We're going to be talking about players you want to sign, etc. So to have a, a serviceable, at least, centre-back there, and hopefully better, is only good for us going forward. Um, all right, cool. Um, just quickly, I wanted to point out that I know some people get on Marcus Harness's back for defensive contributions as well as attacking, but it was interesting to see he led the team with tackles as well in that last game. So... The team are fighting, Freddie, you know, I, fighting enough. And this is what we want to see. When you've got a win and you're in situation, as everyone's plastered around Twitter, you, you just need the team to be fighting and all pulling on the, on the, to the same, whatever it's called, pulling in the same direction. What's the phrase I'm looking for? 
I don't know, to be honest, but, but, but uh, the, the, the entire point is they're all getting stuck in and fighting for every single opportunity. You can't, I, can't, I don't doubt the mentality of this side and if, if they've got the mentality to get promoted anymore, not a chance. They had their bad games earlier on where some players were frustrated. It wasn't the fact, I never doubted the fact that they cared. I doubted their mental strength in terms of when things went wrong they would get frustrated with themselves. A lot of players did and their heads dropped a bit because they weren't doing what they expect to do. But no, in terms of the spirit and the determination to get this team in a playoff spot when it looked completely, uh, there was no chance of that happening whatsoever a couple of months ago, is great to see. And any Pompey fan's going to back that. And if they do get in the playoffs, they're in the they're in the perfect playoff position where they're coming in on form as the underdogs and we've seen from from years that playoff teams that finish in sixth with that momentum usually do very well compared to say what Lincoln are doing who are pushing for the uh, for the automatics missed and are now in that malaise of where the next two games don't particularly matter and then they've got to play a side who might want it more than them. All right, let's go to the question we put out to you guys. And we said to you, and thanks again to everyone who messaged in. Uh, It's really appreciated. Again, it makes the show. And uh, yeah, so cool. So we said, do you think Pompey will do the business against Akron and Stanley on Sunday? And because I had a little bit more time than usual, I even put a poll up. So we said, do you think Pompey will beat Akron and Stanley? 335 of you messaged in this afternoon or voted on the poll. So with a 71% think we will beat Aki. 29% 29% of you think we will either lose or draw. A simple yes, no poll. Some positivity there, boys. It's not just us, you know, banning the drum. Everyone is on board, apart from 29% of you. Sort your lives out. Yeah, we're all we're all positive and let's go for this. So Sam Stone meshes in. He says, playing four at the back made us look like a completely different team. If we defend competently against uh, Charles and Bishop, I do believe we'll find the back of the net at least once. We found it three times without playing them well last week. John? No, I agree with Sam. I think the four backs made a huge difference. It's giving us, giving us more stability at the back because now, now, we, now we have two units of four then the two forwards at front together. And I think when in the, in the past games we've been three at the back, we've been we're missing that cohesiveness and the almost glue in the to keep the back four together. And I think now with the, the Samson there, we, we managed to score three goals against Akron side when we were all over the shot. Hopefully this, this Sunday we can go there with a bit more unity across the board and get a a good result. Yeah, I completely agree. <clears throat> I think that, and I'm going to talk about my why I think the formation matchup is good against Charles and Bishop a bit later on, but no, I agree with Sam completely. Jack Chapman messages in, he says, let's hope the boys can give it one last go and get that important victory. Oh, Jack, come on, one last go. Let's hope it's a push and then potentially they might be able to perform in the playoffs as well after afterwards. However, with the turbulent season we've had, are we ready for the playoffs? Jack, no one's ever really ready for the playoffs. It's a, it's, it's a complete crapshoot, isn't it? It's a lottery. It's a whatever you want. You know, Wickham won it last year. They were definitely the worst team in the playoffs. Before that, Cholton came in, in sixth and they won it as well. You could argue that we were better, Sunderland were better. Cholton were a good team as well, but they weren't necessarily the best team over the season to go up. So it's not about that. It's about performing in those three games you get in the playoffs. So get in and you've got a good chance of winning it. Chris and Mate is in. We couldn't ask to be in a better position. Our fate's in our own hands. I think the Cowleys will be able to manage this game and the players will be prepared for this. Accrington will not make it easy for us, but the players have what it takes to get over the line. Pompey win. Yeah, um, must win game. It's very good that... It's a strange situation because obviously Charlton with the game of hand have gotten themselves kind of back into contention, but... But the Pompey players would be happy that really all they have to do is win the game. They don't have to worry about any other results which you, which you get into their head. They simply have to turn up on the last game against an Accrington side that I don't think will act like they're on the beach. Uh, it's a John Coleman side. I don't think they'll act like that at all. You, got, you look at their players and they're all tenacious. They all run their socks off and they'll definitely give Portsmouth a hard game. I think a harder game than our playoff rivals but I still I still think it can happen I, I think it can happen I think Portsmouth could win that game and then well in the playoffs anything can happen can't they we've seen it before yeah exactly 
and it might even be the time we could get a first win. Maybe we should cut that out. Maybe I'm jinxing it already. <laughs> Cowley's Cows messages in. He says, previous times, they um, had to step up and they haven't. That said, is that the player's mental, mental strength and character, or is that the mentality and tactics of Kenny going into the games? Cowley's seen the type that will mentally get them right back to get them going into it with confidence. Yeah, no, I agree. We've spoken to, to Danny on the podcast. Everything you've seen outside of that as well, we know he's up for it and we know the players are looking you know, like they're playing for him more. You've got the likes of Ryan Williams coming out in the press and explaining how you know the players adapting to the system well. Um, and I, I just think that the team are much more on the same page now. Management, players, we're not going to see Danny Cowley, please don't do this, Danny, uh, come in and drop Tom Naylor for absolutely no reason. You know, we're not we're not going to see him. Don't, don't remind make, me of that. We're not going to come and see. Don't jinx it, please. <laughs> we're not going to see. We're not going to see Danny Cowley come in and make some other ludicrous decisions where we just sit back all game and soak up the pressure and hoof the ball long. That's not going to happen, boys. Let's have some confidence on the podcast and let's say it as it is. I hate that phrase. We're going to go in. <laughs> with an idea and everyone put it on the same page. And, you know, if we can get in, if we can beat Aki, I think we've got a good chance. John Headmess is in, fucking hope so. Especially with a week to prepare. I think it's like a straightforward situation. If we don't win it, then we definitely don't deserve a spot in the final place. Well, that sort of depends on how shit the other teams are. On the other hand, if we do, I think we're going to be going into the playoffs with some notable momentum. John, do you feel like Pompey are building momentum going into the playoffs? Are we improving? Yeah, I think we are gradually. I even... Overall, with Danny Cowley's albeit short tenure, um, he's managed to go on a side which was devoid of all confidence and results are not what come. And since he came in, we've overall been, been very, very good and there has been progression. I think incentives not only will be, will be in the chance of promotion, Danny Cowley's first game in charge will be with fans in the playoffs. That's surely incentive enough to get a goal on Sunday and win. To give the Cowleys a chance to experience Trafford Park with, with um, fans. Yes. <laughs> Go on. Want to get back to Fratton, mate. That's what, that's what I heard there, John. That's what I heard. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think so. I think we can. Scott Bowden messages in. He says, as Pompey, we still, we will believe, but totally unsurprised if we fudge it up. Pompey will always do Pompey. I just hope that this time we don't. You can see it happening, can't you? It, it, it could happen. Let's not lie. Accrington are, are a decent team who play a good system. They're trying to go for their highest points record on you know, ever or highest finish. And they'll want to they'll do as well as they can. They're not going to sit it out and uh, allow us to walk all over them, probably. But let's hope, let's hope so, Scott. Let's hope so. Darren Lamanis messages in. He says, it'll be easy. 3-0 Pompey. I like your spirit there, Darren. Do you want to share some of that around? Accrington have nothing left to play for. We'll be bang up for it. Have faith. Yeah, they do have nothing to play for, which is always a bonus, uh, especially with um, basically only sit three teams fighting for one place. But I don't. Again, like I said earlier, I don't see that. I don't see a John Coleman side having that mentality where they'll be on the beach. I think they they go into every game thinking. We're going to upset the apple cart. We, we, we're going to get in the opposition's faces and press them, and make it make things as difficult for them as possible. So no, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be a rollover by any means. Tom Bryant messages in. He says, "I actually feel, in brackets, perhaps worryingly, quite relaxed and confident. We're going to get the win we need. The Cowleys have us well up for it. I wouldn't be Pompey without do, it. Wouldn't be Pompey without doing it the hard way. So Accrington first goal in a three-one Blues win." John, are you going to be uh, slapping some money on a one coming from behind win for Pompey? God, no. God, no. My nerves are not going to take that. If you can see first, I think. <laughs> I'll probably go for a flurry of emotions in the first night, win the first half an hour. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll come to that in the preview. Ian Piper messages in. This is a one-off game, win or bust, and the Cowley brothers will have the team up for this one. It won't be easy, and we'll need to be patient, as Accrington will be a stubborn opposition, but we will win. Just. Well, it's nice to see you. This is, this, we're seeing a trend here of people messaging in with a sort of confidence that's sort of not been seen before. I definitely think if we had Jacket in charge here, we'd not be saying the same sort of things echoing each other. It would be, what bad decision is he going to make if we make the playoffs? Is he going to do that again? That sort of mentality. 
Well, now we've really come into it with a fresh approach, which is which is great to see, really. Scott Whittle messages in. He says, now we can play a competent left-back in Brown and our familiar 4-2-3-1 formation. I think we should have enough to win. We looked 100 times better on Saturday after the initial shaky period. Anyone but Sunderland in the playoffs. If we get in there, please. Scott, stay tuned. We are going to be doing the uh, playoff watch and we'll go through a few teams in that sense. But I don't necessarily think Sunderland's the only team to to be watching out for in the in the playoff matchups for sure. I mean, I'd quite relish that to be honest. You know, go on, Sunderland. This I think I think it got. depends. I think um <clears throat> we'll go we'll go into it later, but my my pick for who I would want Pompey to play against is Lincoln. The other two games I think would be a lot harder. I think stylistically you could be onto something there, Freddie. Wes Knight messages in, he says, do it for Macca. Play out Pompey. Uh, we just pause there from the questions to say, obviously, uh, the sad passing of Alan McLaughlin, um, Pompey legend, Ireland legend. I think the whole community has been really shook by his passing. Obviously, he's doing well over at Swindon as well. So very much taken at a really sad time uh, in his life. I don't know really what to say about this, Freddie, apart from it's, it's quite quite upsetting for people of, of all generations who have ports of fans and just, yeah, football fans in general. Yeah, well, well, it's very hard to have the right words in this sort of situation. My dad talked a lot about Alan McLaughlin and that Jim Smith team, how he was an integral part of that side, not just as a footballer, but as a person. And you could see that from all the responses and the outpourings of emotional support to his family afterwards. You, you, he was connected with the academy and you saw all the academy lads at that time Saying how much of an influence he was, and how, how he was, how he was the person they went to, and any any human being who is able to touch, um, to get in touch, and be as open as that, I'm not surprised that people are very emotional about it. As am I. I mean, there's a lot more to remember him by than that um, that goal against Nottingham Forest that got Pompey into semi final in '92 before I was born, but I was. I um, learned a lot about that um, over a long time. If you want to, um, I'm running out of words to say actually. But if you, if you want to um, know more about it, um, again, Jordan Cross in the news did a very, a very touching tribute to him uh, as a character, as a character, as a person, more than a footballer, which I think is the most important thing in this situation. And if you want to know more about that. The title of that article is "In the Presence of, in the Presence of Greatness." Alan McLaughlin, the man who made all our ports of lives better. And if you want to know more about him, uh, go there because Jordan puts into words a, a, a lot better than what I'm saying right now. Put it that way. Yeah, no. Go and read Jordan Cross's article in the news. Definitely. Um, yeah, well worth a read. John, do you have anything to add on that before I move on? Rest in peace to a true Pompey legend and gentleman on and off the pitch. As I was afraid to say, I might say to my dad, but I was telling me today, he sent me a text at work just saying how much, how sad he was knowing that Alan had passed. And he, he was out at, at the um, Gary's Nottingham Forest, which I alluded to, and he just set goal. He's he lives long in his heart, and it's Pompey fans, it's a great day, and it's such a sad day. Not, not, well, just for the football community, it's such a good, to have such an icon in his part, leave us so soon. Rest in peace, Alan. Yeah, and our thoughts go out to his family as well as they uh, as they deal with this. All right, let's uh, let's move on and carry on with uh, your responses as well. Um, bit of shit then. Scott Willemus is in. He says, "Now we can play a competent left back in Brown." I've just read that. <laughs> John Glenn messages in. <laughs> is watching Pompey never going to be easy? I'm sure a nervy two one upcoming uh, for the Blues. Love the podcast, boys. Cheers, John. Appreciate it, mate. It's always nice to, to hear that. Um, yeah, no. Come on, Pompey. That's all I can say now. I've got to near the end of these comments. And I'm just I know. It's never, it's never easy watching Pompey in key <laughs> games, is it? There's always that angst or that just uh, the assumption that something will go wrong. But it's in playoffs. It's in Pompey's hands and they're the favourites for this game still. I know Accrington have got a, a lot of weapons going forward, but come on. It, it's At the moment, it's Pompey's playoff spot to lose in my opinion. Yeah, it is. And it's going to be, I'm going to put this out. Do you guys think it's going to be more difficult watching it at home or do you think it'd be more difficult if you were at the game? 
Oh, it's worse watching it at home by a country mile. I hate watching Pompey on TV. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. I don't know why. I'm just, I'm not calmer when I'm at the ground, but I don't know what it is. It, 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 there's something about sitting there in the television, uh, in front of the TV, watching, especially if Pompey aren't doing very well, that's so much worse than watching them not do very well live. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm not sure what John thinks. Um, I'd say it's it's harder being at home because because you, you can't ultimately, ultimately as a fan you can't impact the team when when a team are are, are struggling the fans rally behind the team and give them support when we can't give them support and what we just watch them through a through, through, through a camera it's so 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 well it's it's just it's tougher to watch because if any because you know if anything was to go wrong the fans will be trying to give the boys a lift but when we can't it's just it's horrible to watch and it's going to be a very, very tense uh, final match for the Blues, but hopefully we can get over the line. Yeah, I also think it's because usually if we're in a big game like this, I would have started drinking at 10.30am. Well, probably <laughs> earlier, it's 12 o'clock kickoff. So, but apparently if you start doing that at your house on your own, not with your friends out at the Rutland Arms, then you're going to be uh, seen as uh, potentially having a drinking issue. So, yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different um, an approach, isn't it? You cite yourselves up you're with your friends, whatever your ritual is, go and get a burger before the game with your family, you know, get some beers, meet the guys and girls, whatever you guys do to get ready for a match, to, to pump yourselves up and have that unity together and you're all in this together mentality. I feel like that's such a big thing when you're going to such a, a huge game like we have on Sunday. And maybe that's the reason why it can be so, 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 so somber, I suppose, at home when you're sort of like watching a game and if Pompey are losing in it and it's an important one in particular, it can be a bit more difficult to deal with that on your own. Let's go to the new feature. And we're going to be doing Playoff Watch. So we're looking at the other teams around us. Let's start, Freddie. Let's just talk about it and the teams behind us. Let's not talk about it from a game function. Let's talk about Oxford and Charlton. Because let's be real, you know, these are the teams that are chasing us and I think we need to focus on them. Charlton got a massive win against Lincoln on Tuesday. Yeah, they battered Lincoln on Tuesday. It wasn't even close. Um, I wasn't surprised by the result because I thought since... Scummer Atkins has come in. Charlton have been quite good, haven't they? Unfortunately, so um, they're definitely getting things in the midfield right. Jaden ex Pompey, uh, ex Pompey Jaden Stockley as well, being that focal point up front, which I think they've desperately needed and missed um, a lot this season. And they've got weapons in depth. Chucks and Ek coming on off the bench to score goals. Like I think he's got the most substitute goals in the league this season. Don't quote me on that. I need to I, I need to double games, check that. Games per goal, I think Freddie are up there as well. Goals per game, sorry. I think he's right is up he? there. No, goals per minute, I think it is. But Charlton have got depth up and down that starting eleven. When Darren Prattley plays, that's a rock solid centre midfielder who yes, he's he's proven to be a bit um over exuberant in the tackle. I'll I'll leave it at that. But <laughs> yeah, that, that's the sort of midfielder that you, that you need in League One, isn't it? Really, I mean, we got we got Tom Naylor, and he's ex, he's got excellent defensive capabilities. But Darren Prattley offers a bit more bite, which I'm very worried about, um, and especially Lincoln, since it, we're seeing it. I think it reminds me a tiny bit of when Pompey missed out on automatics two seasons ago. They they're kind of in that malaise where where they're where their um, their mentality has sunk a bit and they're drifting towards the playoffs which they don't want to be in so I wasn't surprised that Charlton ended up winning that game and their game against Hull on Sunday it's not a given that Hull will win that game they've they've done everything they've already won they've already won the league so what have they they've got as little to play for as Accrington have so we'll have to see what happens yeah, not just that though as well. It's the fact that Hull have won the league, but it's not as if they've won the league and now they're going to have a massive celebration with all their fans, which might you might then think, okay, they want to turn it on and you know, they want to do that kind of thing for, for the supporters. It's, you know, it's not the case. They've won the league, done that, um, and it's not going to be a big party in the same way without the fans being there. Um, John, just moving on to Oxford then. You know, I was looking at my, uh, looking at my TV screen and seeing the results come through. Oxford score, Shrewsbury come back, bam, bam, the double. You know, I'm saying, go on, Cottrell, you Pompey legend. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, Oxford come back and find a way to win the game. How do you think Oxford are going to do against us here, John? And uh, are you worried about them? 
Um, I think against Burton, they will struggle. As I think I've read a stat a few quite recently, actually, about since Jimmy Paul Hasbank's return to Burton in the form table this year, they've been very, very close to the top two in their overall form. And I think, as shown against us um, a few weeks ago now, they were a very, very solid side. They're very, very structured, know how to um, defend or how to be very um, composed and assured on the ball and attack well. I think it'll be a very difficult game for Oxford, but ultimately, regardless of what either of the sides do, it's as long as we win and keep this idea in head, if we win, we are in the playoffs. We just keep, but if the, I don't know, the Pompey doing Pompey notion does come to fruition, we do concede first, then it'll be very, very worrying as both these sides also at home to sides they shouldn't paper be beaten. But, but, oof, it's a very, very tense finale, but fingers crossed the Blues can capitalise on this advantage. Yeah, let's hope so. And then maybe they boot out Carl Robinson and employ some nobody. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> Blackpool currently in third place in, in the league, which is great for me. I've got a each way bet on them to win the league uh, at one to three odds on first to third, as well as get promoted. So if they stay in third, I think it's going to be a terrible matchup for us. But at the same time, you know, I'm going to roll in a few, a few pounds. But let's be honest here. Let's have a look at the teams above us and see where we can come. So... You know, Oxford, etc., Charlton, they're behind us now. Yeah. So let's look forward and say, which of these teams are going to be the most difficult to play? Freddie mentioned Lincoln as a team that he would like to match up against if, you know, if possible. I think Pompey do play well against that side who try and pass it out the back in, in that system. Lincoln play three at the back. And I believe that our wide players then will be able to get in behind and cause some trouble. Harness on the right, Curtis on the left, both, both fullbacks now being able to overlap on either side. I think Pompey have looked pretty decent when they've played on, on their form against Lincoln. I'm struggling. I mean, the, Sunder- the, the, second, the second game, they they really only lost the initiative in that because the Jack Walker ball went card. Before yeah. that, it was entirely even when Pompey were playing with a worse tactical system as well. So you've got to bear that in mind. So I'm going to put this over to you, John. We said Lincoln, but mm-hmm. who's the team that you are least looking forward to. Now, who's the team you want to miss out? Who's the team you don't want to be matched up against the playoffs? Okay, the team I'm doing two, two parts. The team I don't want to face is Blackpool. This this season, they've been a revelation. And prior to their um, poor start, they've been one, probably one of the most formidable sides in this division. And they've got Berros uh, um, tw- um, twice this, this, this season. And they've always been a very, very difficult side for us to face. I would love, I think, Either, either of the pair of Lincoln or Sunderland would be good for us as they're both their form is sliding both of them have just missed, have missed out on the top two and Sunderland's form has, hasn't been very good recently and Lincoln especially it's Freddie Lutie they are doing what we did a few seasons ago they, they're sleepwalking into the playoffs after missing out on the top two and if you, if you face them it would also be the so we, we, with Cowleys versus um, Appleton for, so former, former Lincoln versus former Pompey manager that would be a good narrative to watch and I think I will be very very good Matchup as Dan as the pretty said there, but um, no, I wouldn't want to place Black Blackpool as they've been a very very solid side this season. Be hard for us to beat. Yeah, I agree with John. I think Blackpool's the side that Pompey don't want to face at all. Pompey played badly in both of those games, not just because their individual but the, the team performance, the team performance wasn't there, but Blackpool's tactics completely countered Pompey entirely, where the fullbacks were overrun on both wings. They attack with pace. I don't want to see uh, Yates running towards Sean Raggett with the ball again, which we'll probably see in, the, in that playoff game. They attack with pace, they're very strong, and they cause Pompey loads and loads of problems. So even though Sunderland are a good side, and they've got, obviously, the, they've got perfect, in, in cases, players, you've got Aidan McGeady and Chris McGuire, who, who both can have one moment of magic where they steal the game. They've got Charlie White who can score headed goals and score low quality chances. And in the back, Luco Nine's solid enough. So that will be a tough game, but I don't think that will be as tough as Blackpool. I think Blackpool is the side that Pompey will be, if they get there, we'll say if they get there, if they get to the playoffs. But the Tangerines are the side that I don't want, I don't want Pompey to play. No, I think in some ways it'd be the, it looks on paper to be the hardest matchup for Pompey. However, we did play Blackpool previously under the previous regime, so it can be quite difficult to understand how stylistically we're going to match up against someone like Blackpool. 
um, who, to be honest, aren't a high-scoring side, are they? So if you can get the initiative and go ahead against them, actually, I think I think we could be okay. Now, I, I think Blackpool will be a difficult side to be matched up against, but they have also been struggling against lower league, lower league, lower in the division sort of sides as well, you know, the likes of Rochdale, um, who have done a job on them. So I do think that maybe under the new sort of management and system we've got, we might be able to exploit Blackpool a bit better and and maybe that'll be a bit right matchup. Sunderland, oh, it's, it's the final, isn't it? It's the final, boys, right? We can go to Wembley against oh, Sunderland. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, imagine. So, it, it, those, the, both fans' bases must be sick of seeing the other, mustn't they? <laughs> over the yeah, years, they are. over they the are, years, man. just the amount of <laughs> the amount of games we've had to play against each other, it, it, it's been wild. Yeah, imagine if um, it was a full Wembley in the playoff final. If that was oh. the play- if that was the League One playoff final in a full Wembley, that would be probably one of the most interesting and intense playoff finals that League One's probably ever had. It'd be a cauldron of noise. Oh well, yeah. I mean, it's not going to be full, is it? I don't think, but um, no. you know, it'd be a percentage if if they can allow anyone. I thought it was interesting with Sunderland. They're playing sort of a kind of narrow formation they sort of switched in the last game I thought um, obviously I like Denver Hume at, at left back I think he's done well there for them as well uh, Luca Nine coming into the middle has been something I didn't think would work well but has seemed good for them I think Jack Diamond's very good in midfield as well I like him and the youngster I think he's uh, Stuart um, who played up front really offered them something different actually I heard Sunderland fans talking about how he's a little bit more all-round dynamic than someone like Charlie Wyke who's you know, does what Charlie White does, which is heads in balls from Aidan McGeady. Um, obviously, does a bit better than that, but you know, simplifying it. But in a stylistic play, um, that's the problem. And they have got depth in the squad. Do I want to play Sunderland? Not really. But do I want to play any of these other three teams? Not really either. I think it's a very close league. You can see that by the points. All the teams who get into the playoffs, whether it's us or other teams beneath us, will be good teams. And it's going to be a very interesting. Difficult to call matchup, I believe, through the League One playoffs this season. All right, let's get into the preview of the game. We've been building up to it. That's a little bit of suspense there. Building up to it. <laughs> Accrington Stanley. I won't do any cliche things about it, but they are a team who we struggled against last time we played. Let's not bit about it. The scoreline, you know, we should have won it at the end, and obviously with the goal going in. But at the same time, Accrington were probably uh, the better side across the 90 minutes. We gave away a lot of stupid free kicks in that game. There was a lot of individual errors. To be honest, I'm quite surprised that Raggett retained his position in the squad after this game over Nicolaisen. I know the Cowleys trust Raggett, know him. I'm sure there's some squad reasons for it. But even if you look at the if you look at what went on in the game, uh, Nicolaisen led possession for Pompey with stats about five point one percent in the game. Raggett really didn't do well in this game, um, and I'm sure Freddie will be going into it in more detail. But even in the air, he wasn't even in the top five people, um, top five players in aerial duels, which is sort of unheard of for Sean Raggett. This game is going to be about limiting the chances for Accrington, which we didn't do with three at the back. Hopefully, with a more stable back four. Pompey can stop players like McConville, who led possession again then for them. He got an assist. He hit the bar. James Bolton was well out of depth against Sean McConville on that right-hand side. What he needs is more of a a right-back like Callum Johnson, who can mark him properly. And then hopefully the centre-backs won't be all out of position exactly like it was in the last game. Yeah, precisely. I think uh, (coughs) first first up on Sean Raggett, he didn't have a good game against Akri. Not many of the back four, not many of the defence did. But he was at he was at fault for the second goal for me again another header that he misjudged creating all sorts of issues. But uh, it's so strange. I'm trying not to be personally biased because I do think Sean Raggett in some cases is a good defender because of his aerial duels because of his tackles. But he makes too many mistakes for me personally. Uh, I, he makes too many mistakes, and it seems like. This is a, this is an Americanism, but his defense—I don't think his defensive awareness is that good. Where he's where he's not always in the right place, he leaves gaps. But he's going to start on Sunday. <laughs> we know he's going to start on Sunday, and he's going to start next to Watmore. Surely, I don't see any other centre half combination that the Cowleys will pick 
but I do think stability-wise, it'll be much better for about four. There'll be less spaces out wide where Aki got most of the most of the build-up play from because they got pretty. If they if they if Aki play with a three to back formation, they'll have McConville and Pritchard on both wing backs. <sighs> That's Pritchard. Pritchard was excellent since he came back in. McConville, we know how good of a creative dynamo he is, and they all set up Charles and Bishop all day long, given the given the availability to. What Pompey needs to do is control the middle. Yeah, they've got Matt Butcher in the centre of midfield, who I like, but I could see him being overrun in the centre of midfield if Williams drops in a tiny bit deeper, if he's playing in a number at the number 10 position. If he drops a tiny bit deeper to give an easier option for close or nailer playing out from the back, I think Ports would create so many attacking opportunities from there. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And when you look at the three at the back as well, we just talked about the wing-backs getting loads of width, John. You had Charles and Bishop together, who basically had a two-on-three as the ball went forward, effectively. You had the three centre-backs, you had two attackers running at them, and then you had the wing-backs as well coming in wide against them. So I would like to see the back four. And John, what do you think about how Pompey are going to stop Accrington this time? I mean, first off, when you said back four, I think you've alluded so many times now, but against Atkinson, the back three just did not work at all. And it gave the, it was the um, action players, the, the the front two and the wing back, so much space and so many um, two on two threes. And it was not good for us. And as I think I, definitely back four would help massively. I think we need some more solidity in midfield, as Harry's um, alluded to there. Maybe put in a Williams and Effort, but it's a bit more tenacity and give um, comfortable less time on the ball and less time to. Um, week does best and find passes and pick plays I think overall we need to be work as a unit now and try to make sure we don't give them we give opportunities and fundamentally don't give any, any silly needless free kicks the thing that I also feel was one of, was one of our biggest downfalls a uh, fortnight ago where we can see there's so many sloppy free kicks and that and their, and their um, third goal it was a needless free kick I know it's little permutations here and there but they can play a big big part in a season and if and especially at this time and if this Little freak, it's one instant. This missed time tackle costs us a player spot. We will rue that. So fundamentally, free kicks and a forward at back will make or play or help us tenfold going forward. We talked about silly free kicks being given away. Andy Cannon obviously gave that that free kick away at the end of the game. I wonder if that be in Danny Cowley's mind when he picks the team or not approaching against Accrington. I'm going to fire it back over to you guys. We're going to talk about the centre back partnership of who is going to be selected. I'm going to talk about in that game, I thought, actually, I know both of the centre-backs played pretty, well, three centre-backs, sorry, played pretty poorly. Nicolaisen actually came out better on, on the stats, better passing stats, better in the air, led us in the air as well. So for me, if you didn't have Jack Watmore coming back into the team and Sean Raggett playing like dog shit for the last two games, I would consider putting Nicolaisen back in next to Downing. Now, both of them can pass the ball out. Okay, you know, Nicolaisen better than Downing can but still to get on the front foot it could be an interesting combination couldn't it Freddie dobbing in Downing and Nicolaisen it's the high risk high reward partnership isn't it because is Jack Watmore going to be allowed Oof. to play again yes he's the best centre half we have in key games and yes yeah, I, I looked up his defensive stats recently compared to Raggett yes less aerial duels and slightly lower Accuracy and the same with defensive duels as well. But Jack Wall was integral to playing uh, for Portsmouth to play the ball out from the back and build up the play. He offers, he's the best centre half on the ball, but still very good defensively. Yes, he's over exuberant in the tackle sometimes, and that has led to him being suspended twice for a lot of games. But you need your big players for big games. So I don't see Jack Wall not playing in this game. And if we get to the playoffs, I don't see him not. Be, playing in the playoffs either and who will partner him I don't see, I don't see them dropping Sean Raggett either I really don't even though really I think on balance I think Downing has earned the spot in my opinion next to Watmore I'd still put in Watmore at centre-back and I think Downing's earned it with his last two games but I still think I think Nick Lyson's dropped off the pecking order a bit I think uh, because I think they they, they like the um, the ability to have the ball playing centre half and the centre half, who's more 
defensively reliable. I think they like that contrast. And I just think that's what the Cowboys will go with. John? Um, I think I would go for a combination of Raggett and what is trying and tested. As much as we know, been recently, like last two games, we've mentioned how good Darren has been. They fundamentally, as Freddie said, Watmore's our best defender on paper. He's our most solid defender. I think he's at the best capabilities. And, and over the course of the season, he's been a rock alongside uh, Raggett. And for a final game, you play best players. And I think you have to start Raggett on the left and Watmore on the right. And have Darren on the bench, so no doubt, or maybe Rasmus as well. But I think on the start of the level, it has to be, has to be Raggett and Watmore in the back too. How's it turned around to me trying to defend Paul Downing? <laughs> <laughs> Full circle here, isn't it? Full circle. <laughs> I feel bad for the bloke, really. I, 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 okay, I, I think really you you should play your best players if they're available and they're fit. I mean, that's that's how it's down. And I think the Cowleys will see that as playing what more in Raggett. I don't necessarily think Raggett is necessarily the best player, but I think it's the player they will play. I think it, they're probably not going to risk throwing Watmore in with Downing in a, a combination that potentially hasn't been seen recently. So it's another another question mark that makes sense for them on whether how it will work. So yeah, I think we're going to start see a, a Watmore racket combination, but it's definitely going to be an interesting one. When I put my selection into FanHub, thinking the Cowleys might just try something different and I'm going to get it wrong again. But yeah, I think that's going forward. So we're going to say Johnson and and uh, Lee Brown right and left. Do we reckon Close is going to start with Naylor? They are they are now the partnership in the middle. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't I don't think any, I don't think many changes are going to happen with the starting eleven. I think there's depth at centre midfield to an extent with Harvey White and Byers, both technically savvy and are both comfortable on the ball and and can make the passes out wide necessary. That's necessary for Porter to drive play, etc. But I I just think the Cowleys will keep it simple, keep their keep their starting eleven, and if if changes do need to be made, they'll just make it during the game. I think with all the um, the trials that the Portsmouth players will have, especially with the amount of games on top of them, I think keeping it simple is probably the better option. So I think Close will start with Naylor in centre mid, and then they'll play the three in front of them as they have been with Williams in the middle, with Harness and Curtis on both sides, with Marcus up front. So I've kept this part of the conversation to, well, this topic of conversation to this part of the podcast because I couldn't really be bothered to go through all of John Marquis's misses recently. He is the man who's starting up front. He got the two goals as well. Obviously, that was great to see and unfortunately got the own goal in the last time he played against Accrington. But I actually do feel that he's got goals against his team only two games ago. He scored twice now against Accrington Stanley. That's got to give him some confidence, John, hasn't it, going into this game, knowing that not just he's been scoring, but he's scored twice against this team. 100%. I think when, when strikers are going to be bad, going for brown patches, they will take any sort of gratitude they can, any sort of comfort in the fact they've played inside before and scored against them. And albeit he did, unfortunately, concede a very late own goal, he opened on the flex and scored two very good goals. And, and, and his second goal was an exceptional finish. Really good goal. And let's take it, let's, let's do, do a lot of, uh, go take, They'll give him a lot of stint going forward. I think hopefully, if it's going to Sunday, we really give him the confidence and platform to build on. And if we can get him firing, well, the playoffs will be um, tantalisingly close. Go on, John. Forget about that <laughs> own goal, mate. It's all right. You've got the two before. <laughs> Keep your chin up. Because I thought he, he didn't look like he was that on form against, against Wimbledon. I know I probably should have covered this earlier on, Freddie, but he's just got to dust himself off. I hope the Cowleys just really rire him up for this game and he comes out and knows that he can score against this team. Accrington are not the strongest defensive side. They do concede goals and there will be chances for him in this game. So let's just hope that the ball lands to him and he manages to put it in the back of the net. I see Ronan Curtis has been put on penalty duty though. So Oof, Danny that's Cowley a, said that that's now. a random choice, isn't it? That's old. Without... without... <sighs> Surely you just give it to Lee Brown, don't you? He's scored all his penalties for Pompey, hasn't he? That's what I put and, on Twitter. And he, and, he takes pe- and he takes penalties in the right way. He doesn't wait for the keeper to bend his leg and you side foot it the other way. He doesn't just pick a corner. He just absolutely puts his foot through it. And, and every penalty taker who does that, I don't know, I just prefer it. I hate the stuttering run-up and the side foot into the corner. I absolutely hate that. I would rather 
I would rather just watch Lee Brandel's penalties where he just runs up and absolutely smacks it down the middle most of the time. Or let's get Rags on it again. He took a good penalty against Salford. It was a decent penalty as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right it finish or fairness. <laughs> <laughs> Game on the line. Penalty to win it. Go on, Sean. <laughs> Call them up. <laughs> <laughs> I, saw, I saw Lee Bramford on Twitter that uh, you're a brave man or something along those lines. To, uh, yeah, to yeah, he know. wasn't happy, was he? <laughs> he definitely wanted penalty yeah, duty right. after that. I think, I don't know, actually. I think he was more just being like, oh, you know, the poison chalice, that brave man, Ronan. At this sort of time of the season, you've decided to become the designated penalty taker. You know, one game to go. Can you get in the playoffs? But that's confidence. That's what you want. I want a penalty taker to believe they're going to score. Before they, before they stand up. And recently, you know, John Marcus has not been not being that confident when he stands up to take a penalty. So kudos for making the switch. If we do get one, I'm backing my man Roden to score. Or if not, it bounces out and Lee Brown gets the uh, gets the the tap in afterwards, let's be honest. Is he's gonna is be this, is this just because you're gonna bet on Lee Brown's score in this next game? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? Ooh. Here we go, boys. This is the last time I'm going to ask you for the score prediction for the, oh, I'm going to say regular season, but for the season before the playoffs. John, what is your score prediction for the game against Acrid and Stanley? Oh, God. Well, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to have to go for a 2-1 Pompey win. It's going to be nervous. It's going to be frantic. It's going to be some late goals, late drama. It always is. But I think, fingers crossed, Touchwood will get over the line just. Goal scorers, please, John. Okay, let's go. Let's go for your man Lee Brown and John Marcus. I like that. Lee Brown could just go on some scoring tear now. You know, (laughs) he's back in the team. I think Danny Cowley hat trick. -trick. (laughs) It's expected now. You got up your game. I think Danny Cowley apparently said. I heard on a post-match interview that he said that you know when you have a player on the bench, they grow in your mind, you know, and you sort of thinking they're better than even they they might have been. Uh, I'm going to call it the Hawula effect, and um, it, you know you start getting that feeling in your head. And Danny Cowley said to him for the game, um, you know, you're not Lee Brown now. I'm, I think you're Roberto Carlos. And Lee Brown comes on and absolutely rips it apart, <laughs> Roberto Carlos style. But if you look at his positional placing on in that game, he's literally just off the halfway line is his average position in that game against Wimbledon. So yeah, who knows, mate? Who knows? I reckon Lee can grab one. Freddie, let's get to you, mate. What is your score prediction? I have to go for a Pompey win because uh, if they don't get it and finish seventh, then my season prediction would uh, would be right. So we can't have me getting a, a footballing prediction right, can we? Whoa, 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 whoa! Wait a second. <laughs> when was your when was your seventh place prediction? It, that genuinely, it was before the season. It was when Rob came on and said we'd be in a relegation battle. <laughs> yeah, nice one, Rob. That went well, didn't it? <laughs> It was legitimately seventh because I said, "Oh, under the Kenny Jacket system, we we just will be thereabouts, and then symbolically we'll miss out." So I said seventh. We were very angry at the start of the season as well, weren't we? Oh God, I was fuming. <laughs> it was oh, me on no. ITV Meridian. Jack it out. <laughs> yeah, so, well, that's what you were doing. <laughs> so, so yeah, we we can't have me getting a, a season prediction right. So uh, obviously, it's a Pompey win. There's going to be goals in this game because um, Accrington, they've got so many weapons going forward. They must score, I think. But Pompey are going to have the resi- resilience to get over it. I think it will be a 3-2 ports of win. Dion, Dion Charles will get his brace for Aki, but I think it will be a mixture of Harness, Curtis and Williams all getting one goal each. Oh, that's spicy because I was going to say 3-2, but I don't want to agree with Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh never wants to agree with me on a footballing opinion <laughs> we agree on lots of things but not score predictions we want to try and make it a bit more competitive Freddie uh, alright let's go with a mad one let's go with, I'm just going to go out there 4-2 Pompey Ooh. just out out doing me isn't he <laughs> putting a pound on it Lee Brown to score first 4-2 <laughs> I'm going to go 4-2 Pompey win we're going to go for a Lee Brown goal, two from Curtis, and one. Oh, Ben Close, there you go. 
back to form, screaming from outside the box. Let's have it, Pompey. 4-2 win. Oh, <laughs> I didn't want to go 4-2. I'm nervous right. about this game already. And it's I'm really, really nervous. I keep making random noises and I'm not sure how to say break the tension. It's just me sitting here with my laptop. It's horrendous. You can, you, if you're cutting the tension with a, with a knife midweek, what am I going to feel like on Sunday? It's going to be horrendous. Yeah. Well, that's about the time we have for today. But guys, listen up. Guys and girls, back the blues. Let's have it. Let's just get behind the lads, create some positivity, throw it towards them. Anything we can do to help at the moment is probably going to be needed. So come on, Pompey. And until next time, and let's hope we're not talking about an end of season, play up, Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle!